Jeff, we need a song. I got <laughs> fucked. This is Bernie Burns. Hey, I am Jeff Ramsey. Gusterola. Joel Heyman. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rooster Teeth Drunk 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 Drunk. Welcome to the Rooster Teeth Drunk Tank. That song gets better every time I hear it, and I've heard it so many times now, it's like the best song ever. <laughs> this is the uh, tech troubleshooting episode of The Drunk Tank. This is our, our third time to start, Matt, or fourth time to start? I've, I've lost count. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to... So wait, let's, let's start again right now. Can we hear the song again? And then we'll just, we'll just rack it up. So I feel like we get points every time we start. Wow, that song was great. <laughs> hey, do we know who sent that song in? Griffin? No, it was actually deleted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hello, everyone. This is Bernie Burns. This is Matt Hollum again. Uh, Monty. We have Monty Ohm on the podcast, and we have Carrie. Our, we have our new young employee, not intern. What's up? Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Now, Monty, you've been on the podcast before, right? Uh, yes, I have. But, uh, Carrie, you have never been on the podcast. Never been on the podcast. Well, welcome. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> a lot of abuse. He had a lot of time way. to come up with that joke because we had a slight technical delay there. <laughs> He's been working on the material. <laughs> He's been on the road you know, in this Jeff, room. Jeff was building Carrie up for a while yeah. on uh, his, well, his performance. was going to be on the podcast today. So, Carrie, you better break out some zingers. Big I think shoes. we're going to need him. Yeah. Big, yeah, big shoes. Gus and Jeff could not be here today because Gus is on vacation. Is that right? Yes, and he took the instructions for how to record the podcast with him on vacation, apparently. <laughs> apparently transcribed them to Sanskrit. It's <laughs> you know, this is the part of the podcast when we make fun of the people who, who aren't, aren't here. Aren't here in the podcast. Talk about how we're, we're the ones keeping the company together while everyone in the office is apparently doing nothing. It's so true. That's what Jeff and Gus always do when we're The ironic here. thing is that... That Monty and I are here, and we're usually not on the podcast. Usually while you guys are recording the podcast, Monty and I are talking about how we do all the work, and all you guys do is record the podcast. Exactly. Sit in, sit in the back room and, and guffaw constantly. That's right. Guffaw. That's right. I got a source. <laughs> how you doing, Monty? Yo, what's up? It's now, last Monty. time Monty was on the podcast, Monty, we had to edit a lot of his stuff out because Monty sat there and told us we're not funny and our jokes aren't good. So. Yeah. Monty, Monty's ready for – he has a cup, cup of coffee in his hand, and he's ready for this I have, time. I have a glass of coffee. You do have a glass hand. of coffee. I drank coffee. a whole glass of coffee. How but do you do that? You pour coffee in a glass. And you <laughs> well, that's it. scientifically <laughs> accurate, but I was hoping for a more elaborate description. For the record, it was full when we started. Yeah, that's right. What did you Mon- chug Monty, coffee? Monty interacts in unusual ways with seemingly normal objects around the office. He's the only one who has a, like a special conspiracy theory about – the paper towel dispenser, <laughs> for instance, he puts no, coffee in a in a glass instead of a mug, and he's and he has a a system for getting extra paper towels that involves lasers and some no kind of jumping, no right? no no. I swear that paper towel dispenser did not want to give me two in a let, row. Let me show you what we're talking about. We have we're at the new office, and at the old office we didn't have a paper towel dispenser. We had we had one old towel <laughs> with about eight billion germs. That thing was kind of skanky. <laughs> we had like a hand towel that you, we would use, and then we would have a roll of paper towel that would sit there sometimes, and we would use that whenever the, we washed our of, hands. And the, this is the worst with the roll of paper towel because it always has that wet edge on the top from whoever had it before, like had their hands wet, and they grabbed the top of it to take off <laughs> the next paper towel. So it's all like wet and just nasty at the top. Well, it, was, they, it was unpleasant. Brandon was walking through the op- office with a sopping wet full <laughs> roll of paper towels. It looked like he dunked it in a bucket of water. And he's, like, carrying it delicately, like, trying to get it to the trash before it drips everywhere. And I go, what? what is that? Where did you Where did you get that? He goes, nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And it, it looked like he was, like, fixing a leak or something with it. So I was very concerned about the new office. It turns out he said, no, no, it was just in the sink and I turned on the sink, and I didn't see the paper towels were in the sink. I was thinking, what? How do you <laughs> miss that? What? If you have a full roll of paper towels in the sink, how can you not see that before you turn on Brandon's the sink? Brandon's easily distracted. It's, it's a pretty deep sink, but, let's know, be honest. Brandon's usually doing like 30 things at once. That's why. That's true. 
And 30, 30, 15 of those 30 things are redoing previous, previous things, things that he was distracted. There was one small doing. thing wrong. How many with IKEA it? cabinets do we have that are half put together at this point? We only have one. It has <laughs> only, it's a file cabinet one? with one of the doors like stuck into uh, the but door. I, I saw him with a saw earlier, and I'm pretty sure you don't need a saw for IKEA cabinets. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I think everyone in their life has to go through that experience where you get an Ikea cabinet or something and you put it together and you put it together so wrong but you're just going to live with it and you know how it's wrong or you get halfway done with it oh I missed this step five pages back so now I have to dismantle the whole thing somehow Brandon puts together an Ikea cabinet like an Escher drawing where there's like a drawer that doesn't go anywhere like you take it out (laughs) and somehow the drawer is connected to another drawer that has its own handle that just goes into space it's like Inception with Ikea. <laughs> Maybe Brandon thinks that Swedish people just have half-filled furniture. Maybe so. <laughs> it's their aesthetic. But he's ordered, new, he's ordered new stuff, and we have a choice whenever we go to Ikea. The Ikea in Austin is actually in Round Rock, so it's either get in the car for an hour or wait six weeks for delivery. Austin's a really weird town with the, the – uh, Suburbs or the exurbs or whatever you would call. Don't most places have that? Though? No, I just mean like the way it's laid out. Where like we're in Austin now, but if you go one further exit south, and we're only like I'm like five miles from downtown, if that, if, yeah, if we're on the south side, and you go one more exit south, you're you're out of Austin. Yeah, you're but in the country. The, on the north side, you can go like like thirty miles and still be in Austin. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like totally lopsided town. What's if that? you look at Austin on Google Maps, it's like the city, and then just south of it is all green country. And then north of it was just like concrete suburban and landscape. Didn't we go south to go to that barbecue tour? The barbecue tour? Yeah. Oh, we, took well, Mon- we took Monet to Lockhart. <coughs> and uh, he got sick. <laughs> you get sick at. at, at uh, no, he's coughing, so I was making a joke. Uh, no, but we, took, we went down to Lockhart, Texas. He's which, got barbecue long. I think we talked about it before, but, you know, being from Texas, we take great pride in our barbecue. And I think everyone pretty much agrees that if you want really good barbecue, you have to go about 40 miles outside of Austin and go to Lockhart, Texas. That's I think, correct. I don't think we mentioned this yet, the whole, the whole George Foreman thing. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. that was a bizarre story. That was a strange story, wasn't it? So Brandon has been on this uh, big kick where he's going to become Brandon 2.0. And I don't know how he's going to lose weight. He's such a skinny guy to begin with, but he's been – Oh, I thought he was going to install electronics in his body. I didn't know. <laughs> he's going to upgrade himself? I wouldn't say Brandon's that skinny. Yeah? Oh, no. Okay. So we're not funny. Brandon's fat. Uh, <laughs> so the big thing is that with Brandon, he's, he has been annoying the, the hell out of me, particularly in the office, because he won't stop talking about his George Foreman grill. And he, in his apartment, he got this George Foreman grill. Apparently, have you, have you heard of the George Foreman grill? No. Uh, they're, they're not, they don't get much you know, widespread recognition. Not yep. many people know about them. A very small marketing campaign, this George Foreman grill. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. Did Apparently, you? they've sold about $20 billion <laughs> No, but yeah. Didn't, every- you get, didn't you give me a George Foreman grill for a, a wedding gift? Did I? Like like 10 years ago. That sounds awesome. Like it was a George Foreman skillet. Did, I wouldn't have done that. No? Not for your wedding? What's yeah. the difference between That's a grill funny. and a skillet? A grill. Is- Maybe it was a, like a Muhammad Ali hot plate. One's like a frying pan. Oh. And one's like a grill. Okay. I don't know how to say it. They're just two different things. I see. This has been the thing, like, as we work with younger One people, you put potatoes in, the other you do not. <laughs> like Monty and Brandon, we're constantly having discussions that are weird discussions about... You know, I'm only, like, six years younger than you and six years older than Brandon. Yeah, but you're a very focused person for your age. Like, you have, you have had your experience. Like, for instance, I came in here, we bought Monty a laptop when he first started working here. And I noticed that he has torn, completely torn off the cover of the laptop, the keyboard. And I said, Monty, what happened to your laptop? Because, I mean, I can see, like, circuitry. Through the front of his laptop, and he said, "Oh, there was a switch on there that I didn't like, you know so those, I ripped off, <laughs> I ripped off the you know front those, of my laptop." Those like volume control, and it's got controls the wireless. It's one of those touch, those touch pads where it controls the wireless and like the bass, and like it has the play and the forward button and stuff. Well, it, I don't know. Some wires got tr- crossed, and it constantly flips on my my wireless network. So I just ripped it off. I don't know. It wasn't working. So how did you rip it off your laptop? Did you just, like, grab it in rage well, and I mean, pull it off, or was this calculated? It wasn't that easy. I cut my nails that day, so I had to get a screwdriver. And I just, you know, jammed the screwdriver <laughs> under the keyboard, and I just had to pull it out. And it was actually surprisingly easy. It, just, it came off really well. But I just had to, I had to tape down the, 
the connector because I didn't want to get like electro- electrocuted or anything because I was still plugged in at the time. <laughs> but he does. He has he has like one of those circuitry ribbons taped down with masking. So that's it. what I like about Monty. He's a, a most direct solution, most direct path to the solution kind of guy. Like my thought would have been like, oh man, I gotta like go online and research this and figure out the uh, software patch for this or whatever. Monty's like, nope. Pair of pliers, take care of it. You know, I would have did it months ago, but every time I ask Gus about it, he's like, "Don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll we'll call them up and get someone, some technician sent out. You know, don't void the warranty." I'm like, "Ah, oh, Jesus!" And then you know, it was a day when Gus wasn't around. And I just made sure everything. But a screwdriver was. So, but it, yeah, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure what would have happened if Gus wasn't around. <laughs> See, you know, my solution would have been you would have gone on the internet. Mine would have been. I'm going to make a note of this so I can complain about it on the podcast. <laughs> Mine is just complain about things endlessly until somebody else fixes them. Doesn't work Except now. for the George Foreman grill, which is a great product. <laughs> so Brandon's, Brandon's aggravating me about this George Foreman grill. And, and while we're on the top, topic of cooking things and stuff our guys don't know, apparently, Brandon the other day wanted a timer. Because what was he cooking? He, uh, he, was, he was cooking he, a steak. He brought, his, he brought his George Foreman grill in. He and bought he, a new one for the office. And he brought a steak in and a bunch of other shit. So he cooked a steak on his George Foreman and grill. And he's like, I need a timer. Let me run the microwave on empty for three minutes. And well, Bernie heard it. He's like, oh, what were you? Mi- you microwaved the steak? He's like, no, I just, I just turned on the microwave to have a timer. And both Bernie and I were like, what the fuck are you doing? You cannot run a microwave on empty. Did it not explode in your face? He'd never heard that before. Brand, like, Brandon also thinks that bread has no calories. Brandon, Brandon <laughs> is exactly the kind of guy you, you're hoping does not have the ability to edit Wikipedia articles. <laughs> we can make a blog like stuff Brandon's discovering that everybody already knows. A, bread has calories. <laughs> bread, bread is not the healthiest thing to eat. You can't run a microwave with nothing in it. A black widow spider is poisonous. He didn't know that black widow. <laughs> Never heard that before, ever. That's a bad one to find out the yeah. hard way. I'll keep I'll keep a blog of them. But anyway, so we go to the we go to Lockhart and uh, George. Or Brandon was bragging about his George Foreman grill endlessly, and uh, so we're eating this food. And I said, I made the joke to Brandon while we're eating this barbecue, and it was deliciously good. I said, I bet they cooked it on a George Foreman grill, and he's like, Ah, very funny. And then I walked out to get more food to send back for you guys at the office because, Matt, you didn't come down. I didn't get to come down, but I did enjoy the uh, leftovers. Thank you very much. And I'm a shitty boss, but one thing I like to do is feed employees. That's like my favorite thing to do is make sure they have enough food, basically so they don't leave the office for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> but so I walk up there to uh, get the extra food, and I had this George Foreman grill a joke in my mind as I'm up there. And I'm up at the front counter, and I look at the front counter, and I go, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I could not believe the luck of this. So I walked back to Brandon. I said, Brandon, I said they cooked all their food on George Foreman Grill. I said, you're not going to believe it. They actually do have a George Foreman up there. And he goes, what? He goes, no way. I got to see this. We walk up to the front of the restaurant, and it's George Foreman standing there. He had just happened to come to the restaurant that day in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like this weirdest setup of all time. And the look on Brandon's face is I thought he thought that I flew in George Foreman for this <laughs> joke. <laughs> what are the chances of that happening? That the guy you're talking about walks into the place. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Did you find out what George Foreman had to eat? No, I didn't. Day? I didn't because, God bless the guy, he couldn't make it five feet without, without pictures. Hounded, I mean, yeah. literally, like, I'm, five feet might be an overestimation. I mean, he might have gone five inches at a time before it was like, Hey, champ. You know, everybody calls yeah. him champ and wants to take a picture with him. If you're, by the way, if you're, is boxing considered an American sport? Like, not really, right? That's one of the more international sports. Yeah, isn't it really it? is. Well, yeah. who's Lennox Lewis? Was that the, uh, yeah. the UK guy? Was That was and the Razor Ruddick was, uh, I think was he was he either Australian or, or English. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to look that up now. But, uh, yeah, George Foreman was, uh, we need Jeff in here to tell us. George Foreman was champ in, back in the Muhammad Ali days, and then he came back in his 40s. And this is like the early 90s, right? That's and, right. And yeah. he, uh, he started fighting again. But he? it wasn't fair when he came back because he was just hitting people with the grills. <laughs> and I thought they should have outlawed that in boxing, but apparently yeah, they put, all his opponents have grill marks on their faces. <laughs> it's really bad. But they have a little pan underneath them to catch all the fat. <laughs> <laughs> so let me look at the really good cut here. man, all those guys. But, uh, he, yeah, he was, a, he was a, uh, I think, a two-time champion. I don't know my boxing that well, but he uh, – then got his name and face put on these grills that they're electric grills that people plug in an apartment so that you can have a quote unquote a grill. a grill. And no offense, they're they're super shitty. They're like one of those TV products. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible thing to have in your house. Man, and, see, I was I was working on the sponsorship this whole time. 
<laughs> and you'd, you'd just come in and kill it. There, yeah, that was going to be our first Junk Tank That's uh, right. podcast sponsor, and I ruined it. But he, uh, but he, he made more money from those grills than anything else in his life, and he didn't design that, right? I'm not. It was design like an, the grill. It was. Hey, did Jeff, Jeff just walked in. Did George oh. Foreman invent the George Foreman grill, or did he just endorse it? You guys needed a boxing expert, and this That's is what right. you called me in for. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. You needed a grilling expert. Uh, I no, had, was George Foreman champ twice? Did he get George Foreman was champ twice. Was he, he champion? He was champion comeback? early in his career when it, and then he lost it to Muhammad Ali, right? Mm-hmm. right. In a t- tremendous, tremendous fight, uh, where Muhammad the- Ali was heavily, heavily, heavily favored to lose, and he just wore he did rope doped him and wore him down. That was the, and, is uh, this the the rumble in the. It was a. It wasn't the thrill in Manila. Thrill in Manila. It was the thrill in Manila. It was. It, had a, it was a something. Those, like, something. Catchy Don. Uh, yeah. Don King name. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, that, at that time, George Foreman was like the scariest dude on the fucking planet. And uh, who just left? Money left. Oh, okay. And he hates boxing. Couldn't handle it. Uh, <laughs> boxing and white people. It's too much for him in one room. His loss to Muhammad uh, Ali in the Rumble in the Jungle in Rumble 1974. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I think he just put his name on the grill, right? I don't think he was like in the lab. Working on it. <laughs> well, I don't think he was either. <laughs> like in, he's he was... got his coat on and his team of scientists with beakers trying to invent the the uh, perfect grease-free grill. <laughs> <laughs> we need ten more microns of Teflon <laughs> on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess that, yeah, he, he probably didn't invent it. Another cool thing about George Foreman is that he named all of his kids – Six boys. He named them all George Foreman. Yeah, that's pretty. That's fantastic. almost as good as as, <laughs> as uh, Chad Ochocinco. Didn't he name all of his kids, even the girls, some form of of Chad? Like I think the girls were like Chadette and things like that. I'm not kidding. I think he really did. And that. And he's got like 48 kids too, right? I think. So. I mean, he's a he's a athlete, he's got Ochocinco so he's kids. Got a, he's yeah. got like 48 kids that he knows about. <laughs> You know, if we had had a girl, my wife swears she would have named our daughter Bernadette, and we would have called her Bernie. Instead of giving any of our boys the Bernie name, like Junior. And I thought it would be great to have a girl named Junior, too. That would have been fun. But we didn't. That would have been. Luckily for this girl, we never had her. <laughs> and she wasn't <laughs> stuck with that name. Well, my wife wanted to name a kid Jesus. So Really? Oh, yeah. Big Not name. Jesus? No, Jesus. Straight up Jesus. Like G E Z U S. You nailed it. Just G's. <laughs> Jesus. Really? <laughs> she wants to, yeah. Trying to name her kid Boxcar Jesus Ramsey. So this the would be a boy or this world, would be a girl. It would be a boy. The entire world intervened. <laughs> Boxcar Jesus. Yeah. So, so you guys done having kids? You can have more kids. It's like a Kerouac poem, Boxcar Jesus. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's actually Allen Ginsberg. Okay, sorry. Yeah. It's a little too flowery for Kerouac. Uh, I don't know. Why? W- do I have to make a decision right now? <laughs> no. You know, uh, I watch Mad Men, and they're at the point now in the history of the real world where... Is this, the, is this a spoiler? They're watching a... I don't think so. I mean, it's just contextual. It's not. Really, I don't really care for the audience. I just care for me. It's the I'm real behind. world stuff, so you should know it. <laughs> yeah, please just keep in mind. <laughs> like, I haven't by the seen way, the episodes uh, seasons one through whatever. Yeah, the Nazis lost. Spoiler. <laughs> <No. all. laughs> but it's they're at the point where they're watching, like, uh, we're in the real world. Cassius Clay is becoming Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. and then becoming you know champion of the world. So sure. it's, it's it's interesting to watch that stuff take place. And of course, they're in the show. They're not even watching on television. They're listening it, to it on a radio in a bar, and that's how they they watch it. What a sad existence it must have been to have been born before today. <laughs> You're exactly right. God, get, get your news from the radio. Yeah, no kidding. Or like old yeah, dudes used to sit on their front l- porch and what listen. What if you to could radio? only listen to certain types of programs? Couldn't actually view them. Yeah, no kidding, right? Well, that's how you. That's how like that's how like my grandpa listened to baseball games. You know, it's like yeah. who the fuck could listen to a baseball game. Or like five guys talking in a room. Well, yeah, that too. That would be also bad. <laughs> you know what's crazy too? Like think about the, with the radio. It's just like um, when you start listening to someone on the radio, and then you finally see the person, a picture of the person, or you see them in an interview, and you're like, wow, that's what that guy looks like. And it's always like the radio is the thing where you kind of have – you don't have a visual, so you still have your imagination working. Yeah. You know, we kind of have that with books, but books are mostly fictional. But a lot of people got their news back in the day from the radio. Like I wonder if people like had this idea of what Hitler looked like in their head or if maybe they didn't have TV. Well, the moon landing, like what did they think our astronauts looked like? Did they have big – Glass globes for helmets, you know. Well, that's the thing with uh, with FDR, right? There's a lot of uh, Americans didn't know he was in a wheelchair and had polio. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think the uh, I think the moon landing was a little different because it was nationally televised. But yeah, like Hitler. Luckily, we had uh, like cartoons. 
<laughs> that yeah, was yeah, Tunes, robot, yeah. the whole robot Hitler at the end of fucking Wolfenstein. <laughs> yeah, they had Wolfenstein 3D back on their uh, Victrola phonographs. But the uh, yeah, but I mean, the moon landing is a bad example because that was isn't that the most watched TV yeah. event in history? Well, that or Mash, right? It probably had more than that. Or, or the uh, evolution of dance, I think, right? Oh, that yeah. was actually, on YouTube or yeah. uh, girlfriend by uh, that thing has been Avril Lavigne completely passed any, by. Any Justin Bieber video, I think, is ahead of it. I'm pretty sure the number one watch video on YouTube now is no I'm gonna longer. I'm going to say Justin Bieber. I think it's I'm the Charlie say, biting the finger. I'm going to say Justin Bieber. Anybody else? We got. Let's vote on this. I'm going to go I don't pay attention with to this Justin stuff. Bieber as well. And I have I, no idea what any of the songs would be. I actually heard a Justin Bieber song the other day. It was pretty good. Was it? That kid's got something. I can see why everybody likes him. I, kid, I got no problem with that hairdo. Yeah, he does. Oh, he's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. My nieces <laughs> love him. Your yeah. nieces love Justin Bieber? Yes, that's right. They're How like, do you feel about they're that? They're like 13, 14 year old. Did you guys know. see the video of him uh, running away from his fans on a Segway? No. It was pretty on big a while ago. Yeah, he was like trying to escape his fans on a Segway. <laughs> it's pretty funny. How, do you, how could you possibly not outrun a Segway? Especially if you're a teenage girl. I don't know. Well, you're so overcome. You've got the vapors, right? It's hard. <laughs> the vapors? I don't think that's what the vapors mean. <laughs> I like Justin Bieber, though, because he's like. He's probably the best example of someone going from the internet and becoming a big star. I mean, we have lots of people who are already stars that come do stuff on the internet. Like, you know, Will Wheaton was a celebrity outside of the internet, but this is a guy who came from the internet. Hands down. I, did he? I had no idea where he came from. Yeah, YouTube, he, did, he came from YouTube. Thing? Yeah. Usher saw his – he had like a video that had like 2 million views. Usher saw it, signed him, and overnight sensation. I don't really? think there probably won't be another – Justin Bieber to come from the internet, at least for a long time. All right, that's enough of Jeff. I'm out. Bye, Jeff. Later, Jeff. So, Matt, did you see the um, did you see this Half-Life 2 CG thing that somebody put up on the web? You showed me that yesterday. Mm-mm. Did you watch the whole thing? No. No? <laughs> it was mostly text. What was it? Well, you know. well, it's a teaser, right? So oh, it's, like, it, it's like five or six shots. You know what I get tired of is the people out there who supposedly have a big project that they're going to put out. And just put, you know, they work on like the highlights of it, and then just, and then they, they just stop there. I've seen a lot of that. I think the thing that I don't like is when somebody makes something like this, and then people immediately pick it up. Even like reputable press agencies pick it up as this is a Half Life Two movie that's in the works. Mm-hmm. You remember when that guy made that Fall of Reach script, and he made about six concept art paintings, which probably he farmed out to an artist friend of his. Probably took about maybe a week. To, to put those six things out. And suddenly, uh, there was a Halo movie in, pr- in production. And it, didn't it all, all make it all the way to being linked to, to Spielberg Yeah, somehow? that Steven Spielberg was making a Halo movie, and it was going to be in theaters in 2011. And it's just... I don't know why people do that. When they, like, they get so fooled when they see something of quality on the internet, they're like, oh, this can't possibly be an artist making this. It's, this is a production company, and they're working on it, and here it comes. Right. And they report yeah. it that way. Right. I actually get I, that. That was actually kind of the original perception of my stuff, except that was very forward about it just being my work. Is like, wait, this doesn't look like something one person could do. Yet here it is. I'm looking at it. You mm-hmm. know, but there wasn't the assumption. But the, the, pro- the problem was that you actually put an entire piece together. Yeah. If yeah. you'd only done like two little, you know, snippets. Right. Right. Of five second animation, and then you know, said you know, like leaked from yeah, yeah. X Studio or whatever, then people would have thought it was. But so, like, I guess that was the original appeal of my work was, like, I put something together, had a legitimate beginning and end, and looked like it had, like, a production value to it that was more than a single person could handle, which, you know, that's kind of that, – that, yeah, you know, albeit that is kind of rare, but it didn't have that connotation where people were like, oh, this must be something official, right, which is what this Half-Life 2 thing is, right, you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just – I mean, people are – People are excited about it, and now they're, I'm seeing reports of there's a Half-Life CG movie in the works. Okay. Which, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Valve did something like that, but it would be Valve that does it. I mean, from my experience, Valve is not a company that just kind of, you know, loans their IP out or licenses it in any way. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen right. that of you. No. Mm-hmm. And they've also produced some pretty stellar movies in-house, so you would think they would be up to the task of doing it if they wanted to do it. Yeah, I mean, you look at those uh, Meet the X, Meet the X yeah, stuff, series yeah. they have for their Team Fortress 2. I mean, those are all cool. Can you watch those at all? No, I haven't seen those. You haven't watched no. the – are you not a Team Fortress fan? I, You know, I have Orange Rocks for the 360, but I just never – I never had any of those to play with. 
No, no, no. They're talking about the commercials, like the one that's like meet the meet heavy. the spy and no, I, I, I never watched them just because I never played the game. Fuck. Hey, yeah, they're very cool. They're like I will now from the. From <laughs> They are in-engine CG pieces, essentially, where they take their own models, and I don't know how they do it exactly, but uh, it just looks like it's the, the development team making them. They got a lot of t- they got a lot of really talented people on that Valve team too. Mm. They, they do. It seems like I'm meeting more and more people uh, in the video game industry who have come from movies, or they just flop back and forth between the movie industry and the video game industry. Yeah, it's something that, that is it true. seems like it it, sh- it should have been a thing like a long time ago, you know. Going back and forth, but like video games are now almost to the point where it's they are almost the equivalent of you know CG animated movie productions. Yeah. So it makes sense now, like you know the same technical people and the same artists cross over on those. When I was working in Hollywood uh, ten years ago, whatever it was, we I only had ever worked with one artist in visual effects and movies that also did games, only one that I had ever met, and now it seems like. There's tons of people who go back and forth. Would you consider us a movie studio? I don't know. That's a good question because we're we're definitely in between the two, and we do something that's that's more like video game companies and less like a movie company. I would consider us more of a movie company because we don't make anything interactive, really. Right. right. We do some things with the online space, like different endings, without telling people that there's different endings for things, and they just click on different links. So it's true, like. Where I guess you could say a movie production, and I came here from game from production. Games. That's true. Yeah, but you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were working on and the you, interactive side. You weren't working on the cutscene side. That's right. I was a I was a designer. So yeah. I, I and actually, you got and you got into games by making movies. That's right. <laughs> it comes full circle. Well, the, one of the big things we do here too that makes us more like a video game company, just as a business, is that we actually hire people that work here, and then we go from project to project as a team. Whereas in movie production, or what we normally just call general production. You hire people up for a job, and then all those people go away. And it's over. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, like, did you ever work for a company on more than one project? I worked for Warner Brothers on more than one project, but it was more a case of a project opened up, you know, serendipitously right at the time when the previous one ended, and I jumped over onto it. Yeah. But it wasn't a case where it was, like, a sure thing, like, like you're hired, and it's a position that goes on forever it was definitely project by project basis that's actually a little more that that's actually kind of the situation in games it's not as obvious but in games people tend to assume well not really tend to assume but there's there's you kind of kind of get used to the idea that your position isn't quite permanent either like that just as soon as this game is done because you know how they they kind of build up the staff when a game goes in the crunch Mm. the staff kind of just tends to grow to in order to deliver the game yeah that you kind of as, like, assume that, you know, you could be moving on just as soon as this game is done. <laughs> like, moving on as opposed to moving out. Right. <laughs> they're gone. But I, I think the- video games, as they grow, like you said, I think they're becoming more like movies in that sense. And, and there's a clear line in games where you have contract employees. Right. And they're not full-time employees. And they know that while the entire time they're working. And unfortunately, from what I've seen, it's like the line seems pretty clear that, you know, th- there's two different tiers of employee, essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the guys from contract might come on full-time afterwards, but then the contract guys move on to something else. I, I just like to say I'm, I'm very happy with our system of keeping people around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kerry helped a ton during uh, Revelation production there at the end. He well, was, you know, this, this podcast was going to be uh, talking about Revelation, right? And we, we I, really, I, haven't really talked about that much, but Kerry's contribution to Revelation, we haven't had much opportunity to really – Put out there, but he basically did. What would you say, like eighty percent of the machinima? Yeah, Karen, what episode did you come on? I think it was either five or six. Yeah, so you can see, like, there's yeah. a really big. Yeah. Steep you've been here that long. <laughs> decline <laughs> in quality, <laughs> and then oh, a slow, gradual clawing <laughs> our way back up, climb to acceptability towards the end of the season. That's right. But yeah, but Carrie and I, I mean, Carrie basically sat with me the entire time and put up with. Constant abuse for me. It was strange that you made him sit in your lap. I don't know why you did that. <laughs> hey, that you know awesome. what I mean? Chairs are expensive. <laughs> Everybody's got a lap. <laughs> now some of us have a restraining order. <laughs> but uh, but Carrie's been a lot of fun. I met Carrie back at PAX like two years ago. Yeah. And uh, been keeping a conversation with Carrie on and off for a while. And then he came on as an intern and then hired full time. That's our thing. Our contractors are interns, essentially. Cheap labor is great. And then we. I, hey. I was under the impression until this podcast I was still an intern. Well, we had we had paid interns, though. You know, not paid well. How did you? How, how did you? Uh, how, so, how did you meet Bernie originally, Carrie? 
I uh, I met Bernie through a uh, well, I met him at PAX, but uh, we... I thought you were going to say a personal ad at first. <laughs> no, not in Craigslist. I uh... CougarLife.com was that it? <laughs> Sorry, I just heard about CougarLife.com and I'm obsessed with it now. Is what it your life? CougarLife.com. Have you seen an ad for this? No. Is that I just saw the first ad? It's not a sponsor. I was sure. I was sure it was a parody. I was sure it was not real. Because it's like it, it's an ad for like a singles thing, but for you know the older women who are you know oh generally referred cougar to as life. cougars. Cougar yeah. life. I thought you said kook your life. Kook your life. <laughs> no, that would be a, a less popular site probably. <laughs> but anyway, I did not mean to interrupt That's you right. with cougars. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, well, just to add to that, I uh, I've been kind of floating around colleges, and at one point, my uh, one of my mascots was the cougars, <laughs> and uh, we had we had a place on campus called the hot? Cougar Den. <laughs> And I just – I always felt uncomfortable walking in. Like, I felt I was going to, like, walk into a room of, like, you know, and just like – some, like, 40-year-old woman's going to rip your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What's the – We have established that Kylie looks like Justin Bieber after all. What is the, the age range around? for a cougar? I don't know. What is the age range for a cougar? I, I don't know the age Aren't there now different I, classifications? I want to say, like, like older 30s to, to like, older 40s. Here's something that kind of right? creeps, Here's something that kind of creeps me out. And you don't have to – Talk about your home life if you don't want to. But my wife, as we've – we've been married now 10 years, my wife and I. I've noticed that, like, our outside interests, like, people we find attractive are starting to skew. Like, I like people that are about my age that I find attractive. Like, say, oh, Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston are older than me. But, you know, like that – those kind of women. My wife likes, like, the Twilight guy. Like, she's staying at the 20-year-old range. You know, she's staying there. Is it uh, – which, which team? Is it the uh, the werewolf guy or the uh, the zombie? I, I think she likes zombie. <laughs> she, at least she likes the zombie guy. Because the, he's the brooding, like, emo one, right? It seems yeah. to be, yeah. Not the buff. If I walked guy. around my house acting like that guy, she would kick my ass out of there in about 10 seconds. How did, how did this Twilight movie get made, honestly? How did this get made? I mean, how did three get pitched, made? If you pitched this to somebody, they would think you were retarded, basically, right? It's like, oh, no, it's cool because the vampire and chick, they fall in love. But there, there is a twist. There is a werewolf. It's like, what? No. No. That's just like something like a fifth grader would write. <laughs> I mean, am I crazy? But you're, aren't you a big I, Harry Potter fan? How can you possibly be upset about Twilight if, you, if you're such a big Harry Potter fan? Okay, you got me there. Right? I mean, it's well, just like – Well, here, Harry Potter's uh, here's, better. here's my, defense of, my defense of Harry Potter is that it's, it's an entire magic universe. And this was just like – it was the way that they – I've had to see Twilight. Because I'm I'm married, so that's what you have to do when you're married. Like they set it up as like a vampire thing, and then it's like, oh, the big twist at the end is there's a there's a werewolf here too. Yeah. Okay. But there's like Harry Potter. It's an entire world. It's not like oh, and by the way, he knows magic. You know, it's <laughs> like you go into it like so if you're gonna accept like this is the universe, or you're not gonna accept that. But the the Twilight thing was there's a world with vampires. Oh, and by the way, this world also has werewolves. I mean, it's like if they, if they threw in aliens at the end, would people just go? I don't know. Shit yeah, about cool. Harry. Aliens. Yeah, let's throw those in too. Maybe maybe she's gonna have you know. I think if, if it had aliens, with, uh, I might watch Tweebop from Planet X. Don't they throw in random stuff with the Harry Potter, like the 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 flying Griffin things and the what's the Quidditch? I think I think <laughs> I think Matt's point is it's a larger world. It's that, a larger world, that's more consistent with itself. Exactly. But they have the regular world. He's he lives in a house with. But, but they, and, and they draw very certain lines between the two. So it's like you go into that movie. Well, you like Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, yeah. This is Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings basically the same things in t- to me in terms of they establish a world and then they stick to the rules nope. of the world. Not all the same thing. Twilight was like, you know, they could. I mean, what else could they throw in? If Frankenstein walked up at the end <laughs> of that movie, you would just go, yeah, sure, Frankenstein. Why the hell not? I mean, she's probably going to be dating a mummy in the next one. <laughs> Twilight had one rule. It was no shirts. It was no shirts. <laughs> She's going to be a cougar. Hey, Bella, let's, let's go away on vacation. I got a cabin up the Black Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can happen to us up there. They're going to ride the Loch Ness Monster into the sunset. <laughs> See, that, that's the world they should establish. They're just in the world where all the monsters exist. That's, that's it. I'll, I'd rather see that movie. Every single monster. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just seems like stuff goes in cycles to me. Where, like, certain things are big. Like, space gets big for a while, and then 
you know, vampires get big for a while or monstrous scary movies. Like, we saw a revival of, like, in the 80s, there were all those slasher films that were really disgusting. Yeah. And then those kind of came back earlier in the 2000s. They're kind of back now. Like, Saw and all that yeah. stuff. Then I think they're going away. Are they? I can't ever tell. Saw, I the think, other, was the, you know, the one, one that's really interesting to me right now that's making a big revival is, uh, like, the, the uber-macho, super kind of masculine hero, like – typically portrayed by Sylvester Sloan or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or one of these kinds of guys. It's like you had The Expendables, which came out, which surprisingly was like a huge hit. Yeah. And then – Rambo was and well, then, kind of like a cult hit. Yeah, and Rambo mm-hmm. was a fairly big hit too. And then and now you have Duke Nukem coming out. And Duke Nukem is kind of like the parody yeah. of those characters, but it's a, it's, a, it's a wink and a nod parody. It's like – it's very slight. Talking right? about Duke Nukem the game now. Duke, Duke, Duke Nukem the game, but just to like in terms of an overall cultural – you know, rise of this type of, of character and, and uh, genre, it seems to be coming back. I don't give a fuck about Duke Nukem. I don't want to talk <laughs> about Duke Nukem anymore. I, I'm, so, I'm so burned down on Duke Nukem news. I don't care. I'm not interested in the game. And the, the game, when it came out, like whenever the first ones came out, wasn't that good to begin with. It wasn't that interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't that fun. And I don't know why people are so fascinated by this goddamn game. I think, honestly, it's because it was kept away from people for so long. They just wanted it more. I think at the end it's because you find out he's a werewolf. <laughs> I think it's going to be like Snakes twist. in the Plane. I think we're going to have this thing, and it's going to be probably one of the first things with games, where it's one of those things that's a big deal on the internet, but it's not going to translate to anything. Which is weird, because video games and the internet go so closely together. Yeah. But I think the fantasy of Duke Nukem, or this like running joke everyone has, I think that's way bigger than the property. I, and I, think, I don't yeah. yeah, the second the game right. comes out, nobody's going to care. No, it's, it's, just, yeah. it's because it may still not come out. Joke's over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In fact, they should just sell that property from game company to game company as a marketing ploy. There is a very strange disconnect nowadays between, like, marketing and even, like, fan-generated enthusiasm when you talk about stuff like Duke Nukem and uh, Scott Pilgrim and and other things that are, like, they seem to be huge on the internet. We've talked about this before on the podcast, yeah. Right. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's just that, I mean, it's like if you only, you know, got all of your impressions from... Twitter or Dig or whatever, the, you know, the internet blogosphere or whatever they call that, you know, <laughs> realm. You know what I'm saying? The magic like, universe. The magic universe, yeah. If you only got all of your impressions from, from that and not, you know, walking around actually talking to people or whatever, you would think that those movies, those video games were the biggest thing ever. The second coming of Boxcar Jesus, whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and really, they're not. They come out like snakes on a plane. It's like people were so people thought snakes on a plane, like the idea and the the marketing and just you know the cheesiness factor of it yeah. was really interesting and really funny. But nobody would actually see the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. It's just does it does it translate to box office? And we talked yeah. about that. I talked about like or or actual. Ashton Kutcher and things like having so many followers on Twitter, but then yeah. the Ashton Kutcher movie makes $154,000 at the box office. You know, when he has 5 million followers on Twitter, it's like, don't they follow him because they're interested in Ashton Kutcher? Isn't that what, isn't that the deal? Yeah. So it's, 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 there's always like these things every now and then that makes the conversations on the internet seem irrelevant. Only it does. Because it doesn't like, it doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't lead to any kind of like actual business or anything. But you what? mentioned, you mentioned <laughs> Dig a second ago. What do you yes. think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Are we talking about about the whole the dig redesign? I don't thing? think we've ever talked about that, but that is actually one of the biggest stories I think going on right now on the internet. Carrie, do you what do you surf when you go online? I did go to dig. Oh, you did? I did. And what happened? You don't go to dig anymore? Nope. All right. So why don't you go to dig anymore? I don't know. I just I didn't like the the change. There's something about really? it. Really? Yeah. Just I just maybe not want to go to the site anymore. So it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't listening to other people. I didn't. I just you know I went to the site one day and I noticed it looked like Facebook and I thought, eh. Not so much. And we were also really busy at that time, so I kind of stopped. But do you have you replaced that with something else? No. Okay. So you just don't go there anymore. I just yeah. I don't. I don't have. I don't. I haven't been going to like a aggregate news site or anything like that. No. Did you find that you were going there less before the switchover, and you just stopped once the switchover happened? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It so is so you already on decline in other yeah. words? Okay. I just think it's interesting because there's a, there's a phenomenon. It's just in general fandom, and I, I guess it applies to the internet in general where. People build stuff up, and they're all part of this community, and they, they build something up. And then there's a, there's a phase that they hit where they go through the teardown phase mm-hmm. where part of the fun is tearing that thing down that they help build up. We see, like, Star Wars Episode One is a great example. where Well, it's, it's the, it's the uh, you know, I found it first, it was cool until everybody else found it kind of mentality, right? Yeah. 
You know, I mean, uh, everything stops being starts getting less cool, cool the moment the, you find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when you find find it, it was at its height of of cool, and then it was all downhill from there. Right. But uh, like dig is interesting to me because I saw an, an article about it that that talked about the percentage of um, of uh, domains and URLs where their links come from, and it could almost be broken down into like a handful of like ten. Domains make up like ninety percent of the links, and then there's like a subset of like you know, of this this few other you know random material that comes from everywhere else. But it, like I mean, that whole premise of Dig, correct me if I'm wrong, was that it's supposed to be a user generated and uh, user uh, promoted mm-hmm. ranking of links, and that's how what the social aspect of it is. But I think people got tired of it. It seemed like it was just particular. Uh, domains probably that were paying to get there somehow or right. or whatever and it or people know, trying it, to game the system people trying to game the system and it it no longer felt like uh, you had any any input as a user you should probably explain what we're talking about really quickly in case you're not familiar sure. dig.com dig.com is a site it's an aggregation site where you can send in links like if we wanted to promote red versus blue and we thought okay let's let's submit it to dig is it kind of like a kotaku in a way not quite it's like i would submit a link to say red, to the latest episode of red versus blue or one of our fans would do that if it's something you want to get out there and then theoretically the way it works is in the back end it shows up and people who like this thing can dig it which is basically just upvoting it mm. um, and then if it gets enough digs it ends up on the front page in theoretically but then of course once you have a system like that people will always figure out how to game that uh, especially once it gets more popular. And um, then the, the dig community is very vocal as well. They participate in, in comments, and then you can upvote and, and dig the comments that people make as well. Um, and then uh, there was a big beta test where they did it. I think they, they called in, like, major users and did a very long beta test because I knew it was coming for a long time. One day they did a switch over to where the way that you submit stories, and I'm not entirely clear on it, has changed where they focus more on – legitimate news sources so that people aren't just making blogs to redirect traffic through them and then submitting that to dig but then also changing the look and feel like carrie mm-hmm. said you think it looks a lot like facebook now yeah, yeah. maybe like slight slight changes to the color scheme and things but the, the the end result of all this is that there's been a huge user revolt where they actively hate it which users hate every change right if you're a member of a site and i think in changes. this case it seems like the design change Maybe it was just the straw that broke the camel's back, or or at least right. maybe like brought some of the underlying problems to the surface, and made it more apparent to everybody that that it, w- it wasn't serving them in the community way that they thought it had was been originally intended to do. But it's, it's been very interesting to see like this perfect storm of the, you know the way the users were heading, and then with the change at the same time where. It just it's amazing to see the effect it's had on that site in a very short amount so of time. So what I'm, I'm getting is that people don't like this change and they move to Reddit. Reddit's one of them. Yeah, Reddit's, Reddit's similar, being uptick. Similar to Dig. Yeah, it's another aggregation site. To me, I, to me, they're all derivative of, of like Fark, Fark or Slashdot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, uh, everyone always thinks they're the one inventing the wheel, but you know, it's just a reinvention. And uh, yeah, they moved on to to something else, uh, you know, or other places. But it's you can kind of see because it's all numbers, right? How many upvotes something gets, how many comments something gets, mm-hmm. and it's just down across the board. I mean, it's you, you can't really hide that because they they post all that's up there. Something that might have gotten you know eight hundred digs before now gets about a hundred digs. And whereas it might get 300 comments, you know, 250 comments, and now it gets eight. I'm also getting that I, I don't follow any of these, so it's, this is all fresh to me. But I'm also getting that because it apparently looks like Facebook now, some people dislike it. Yeah, is there an? That's what I'm wondering too. Is like, is there an intense Facebook backlash that's just about to crest? You know, like with the movie coming out, and there's that that lawsuit, and it seems like more and more I hear like I don't like a site because it looks like Facebook or because it's trying to be Facebook. And if you don't like it because it's trying to be Facebook, is that because you don't like Facebook either? Or is it just the, the Me you Too know? attitude that they that kind that, of rubbed them the wrong way? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, I think the big thing to take away from it is that it always seems like the Internet is whatever the current five biggest sites are, like Google or Facebook or Dig or whatever. And it seems like those sites can't can't go away. They're like, oh, they've, they filled in this gap, and that's what they do. Now, Google is a totally different animal. But – you know, sites like Digger, Facebook, like if you said what's going to be after Facebook, I think there's a lot of people who think that Facebook is the thing. and It's, it's CougarLife.com. It's Cougar Life, yeah. <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. But there will be something after Facebook. Facebook, you know, if nothing else, 
young people who are too young to use the internet now it's, will grow up, and they're not going to want to use Facebook because they're going to use Headbook. Old people like Carrie use Facebook, you know. Yeah, and they'll move on to whatever, you know. And there'll be something. My day new. we had MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Like, I mean, MySpace had a stranglehold we on the Friendster. internet. It did. In MySpace, I mean, same thing with the tear down there. We people hate MySpace. Yeah, you know. And we had tripod. Whatever now, tripod. I, I've got a question about Dig because you know I, I I haven't been on the internet a lot lately. I haven't been looking at sites, but I would always you know I would always see articles and it would have like a link to the side of the article that would say you know do you want to dig this? Are those going away now? I don't think so. I think, I think now when I go to a news article, it seems like there's like 50 buttons like that. There are. Oh my god. The buttons have gotten out of control. They really have. I mean, it's like, do you want to dig it or stumble it or or read it? Or read it, or wonder about it, or <laughs> go somewhere and have a nap. I don't know. <laughs> there needs to be a, a werewolf and a vampire button at the bottom as well. Let's talk more about Revelation production. Sure, knock it out, buddy. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I should throw, throw it out there. Some, someone else started. <laughs> I'm just the idea man. You guys have to provide the content. Well, um, you know, the DVD just came out. It came out uh, last Monday. What day is today? Yeah, 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 it came, came out, out last Monday. Last Monday. We, had a, we had a lot of users on our site last night for not putting out an episode. Well, they, we kind of got them in the zone of coming Mondays at 9 Central. So right. Don't, don't get out of that zone. Don't get out of that yeah. zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mordecai, Matt, time. you're working on shorts now, right now, right? We're working on shorts. I think we're all going to go shoot something tomorrow. Cool. And uh, we, had, we had a little bit of a stockpile of some stuff we had shot, and we've now burned through it. We actually had to, we had to stockpile some stuff. For the move, and then we I, – I was hoping we had stockpiled enough to get through the intense period of Red versus Blue production. Yeah. But we clearly didn't, and we just didn't have enough, which was the cause of our little break that we had there. Mm-hmm. It was like a four-week break for shorts, I think. Sounds like it, yeah. In, our, in the midst of our heaviest – yeah. Cycle on red versus blue wasn't really a break for us. <laughs> it no. wasn't a break for us. Yeah, it was, yeah. Break sounds like cross Yeah, <laughs> put our feet up. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we that was a pretty intense period. How did that? How did that period of uh, production compare to other things that you worked on? I mean, there was, there was a point where we had hotel rooms across the street, and we would just go sleep in our hotel rooms. I, you know what? Now that you mentioned the hotel rooms, I'd actually say it was easier than the most most of the production times I've had. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was doing. Uh, like, uh, was two, two years ago when I was at Namco and we were on, on crunch at our game, I was on crunch in a game, and as soon as I was done with that and everyone was wanted to just relax and take a break, I started production on prototypes for our next game, single-handedly, by the way, while everyone else was like, all right, it's time to vacate and take a vacation and stuff. And I decided I wanted to deliver three episodes of Dead Fantasy at the same time. Wow. I started that and did that within four months. There was a lot of swearing going on in my in my private time. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, how about like the actual product, like the production crunch time? Like, you've been through video game crunch. Oh, video crunch, video game crunch is the worst. Oh my god, they 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 uh, because they, because you're treated worse, right? We treat you really well. Here at Rooster Teeth, yeah, got a hotel room. We got we got a hotel room, right? No I, food from Amazon. Bernie would order a lot of what's it called. Healthy, healthy... Fresh mixers. Fresh, fresh mixers. mixers. That's our current menu those item of choice. We, those are great. You fucking microwave them. You got ziti and meat sauce. My only problem with the... Four with stars the, on Amazon? The ziti yeah. and meat sauce is like... It says three, 300 calories on there. Really? But it's really like 3,000 calories because you have to eat 10 of them. Yeah. Well, because one, like, one is like bubble gum. It's like... It's, it didn't even... I mean, it didn't fill you up at all. It's like you didn't eat anything. Well, nothing so fills like, me up. <laughs> I could I could eat after I eat every single time, but the problem is if you eat ten of them, you pretty much have your yearly supply of sodium. Of sodium. So yeah. be careful; <laughs> you'll have a stroke instantaneously. But uh, no, production was pretty cool for us, I think, because it's like uh, I I mean one of the things that was different for me here versus like game jobs that I had, which I was pretty much there twenty four hours a day. Yep. Well, not twenty four hours a day, but like you know I'd do two day two days straight or maybe even three days straight. Here, I could do two days straight or three days straight, but I'd come in whenever. Like, you'd see me – like, Matt just was saying I'd come in at, like – I didn't see him for, like, two weeks because I was coming in at, like, 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. and leaving at, like, 5 a.m. or something or some stuff like that. I remember Brandon got off from me one time. He was actually worried about you. He was going to call the police at one point. Why? Yeah, I don't know. That was that week that I was talking about earlier. Like, we hadn't seen you in so long. And it's like – What's going on? But then, so then I, I got on your computer and started going through your files and looking at the, the date modified. 
<laughs> to figure out if you had been there. It turned out you had been there. Working oh. on stuff we just had never had not come across. It was yet. like a game of finding clues to see the money was in the office. Exactly. <laughs> uh, was producing stuff. Which is fun. It's always fun to be making stuff. I'm working on stuff right now. It is. It is. I mean, I've been in a in a business admin clearinghouse phase where just taking care of stuff that, that I gets, that's a drag, right? Had to neglect a little bit. Well, like at one point, we actually had our phone shut off up there because we didn't time our move date right. And remember, we oh, had a man. month of month of no internet up at the old office just because we just didn't change our move date in time, and they moved the service down here, and then we forwarded our phones back up there. Our internet, but you can't do that with internet. Our internet at the old place was so bad. Yeah. It was it was, it was, it, was it was terrible. And there were so many so many uh, times when we had to get an episode uploaded, and we would we would have to leave the office and go to somebody's house to upload just to That's make sure right. it got up in mm-hmm. time. But when we lost the internet, um, or like our, our normal landline internet connection, Gus went out and got one of those uh, clear things, and it turned out that was faster than our original landline internet connection. The only problem was that we had to, like, hold the computer on the windowsill <laughs> in order to get any connection. I remember that, and I was, like, saying to Brandon, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Why didn't we do this before? And Brandon's like, well, it's not a sound way to run a business. I'm like, fuck that. Sound, better or sound? I'd, get, I'd go for better. Anyway. I think yeah, Monty's not about appearances. Monty's about – I think Brandon was worried about the uh, insurance or legal hassles if we dropped the computer out the window and it, you know, cracked somebody's in, skull. In, in fact, currently right now, everyone's in this, like, moving mode where they're all prettying up their spaces and trying to get their kind of work area to be – you know, I think we've moved on to printing up your space, President like President. secretly tidying up when you leave. I, I just, I, I, I just made it as bare minimal, minimal workable as as I could to just get started working. I got to get that mocap set up right how, now. How many, Matt, how, we did put the two clutteriest clutter, guys. Is yeah. that the best way to put Clut, it? Cluttery is a is a word that is very apropos to describe Brandon and Monty. We, we put them in the main room. Bra- Brandon has. A stack of hard drives. I don't know. I don't, don't, I don't they're they're not connected to anything. I, no one knows what these hard drives do or what they're for. If they ha- what do they have on them? No idea. But All I know is he kicks them over every single time he stands up. Yeah, they're stacked under his desk. And they do nothing except, like, rob him of foot space. It's like 14 terabytes of storage he has under his desk. And I don't know what what what, what is the purpose of that. What does he do with it? That Cougar website. Yeah, he's com. That's why I was upset about the clear connection. We started with a sound business. He's talking about his business. So he runs on the side. But he's actually he's actually back up at the old office today. Brandon is, and he is. Uh, is like, he cleaning? Yeah, it, no, he's uh, he's kind of like prepping it for tomorrow. You guys uh, shooting there tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> yeah, we're one just la- one last one. Yeah, we have the we have the old office until the end of this month, so yeah, which is cool because we only had to extend our lease there I think four months, <laughs> so Jeez. we got it almost perfect. I mean, those two dates almost came together. I will say I missed the coffee house downstairs. I, every place I we've the, ever been, we've been next to a coffee house except for this place. Yeah. I miss the people at the coffee house. Mm-hmm. There was good people over there. It was fun talking to them. Yeah, I think they were they were they were very nice to us, and uh, they even hosted uh, fans that would come by looking for the. For the office a few times. I know? will not miss they call them customers. the front gate closing at like 7 p.m. and having to walk around through the back entrance, you know, through shit. And yeah, you mean the second toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. We, you know what was really weird? When we moved into that place, Carrie and Monty weren't there, but when we moved into that place, we had a big old present. Waiting for us on the back Gross. step. Come on. It was a big old, like, hobo duker <laughs> back there. And and whoever the guy took it. Oh, and a used condom was back there, too, right? Weren't those the two things? Yeah, and I'm the, out of this and conversation. And the duker was in uh, an old milk carton. Like, oh. I, I don't know why, like, you decide, you know, there's, there's some kind of etiquette there. It's like, well, I'm going to take a shit on the back step of this building. I, the least I can do is do it in a milk carton, right? <laughs> Is that what everybody thinks? I don't. And then, when, and then when we moved out, I don't know if it was the same guy, if he was feeling nostalgic or what, but another one right in the same place, and approximately the same size. He maybe he eats the same thing regularly. Dear it's, Lord, I'm just saying. It's a busy I'm guy. I'm just saying these, these are the things you notice when you work downtown. All right, let's segue to Ben Affleck's career <laughs> from that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the town? 
Are you interested in that at all? What are, you, are you trying to say uh, that he's lost, like on the back of a milk carton, or was there some kind of other analogy you were trying to? <laughs> no, pull I was saying out he's moving on, just oh, like we're okay. moving yeah, on yeah, from yeah, Congress. Yeah, sure. That's what that was my analogy yeah, no. there. I have not seen the my town, metaphor. but everybody's saying good things about it, and uh, it'd be cool to see uh, John Hamm from uh, Mad Men in a, another role that was uh, worthy of him. John Hamm should play Fred Flintstone if they ever do a live. Act. I guess <laughs> they, they have a live action one. with yeah. with who? Remember John Goodman. John yeah. yeah, but that guy has like five o'clock shadow instantaneously. I mean, he must shave and just have that five o'clock shadow, just like a cartoon character, like Homer Simpson. Did you want to rent that five o'clock shadow out? I mean, <laughs> you know, it should get endorsements. <laughs> just his five o'clock shadow. Hi, I'm John Ham's five o'clock shadow. <laughs> you, it's okay to drink. I'm around. It's five o'clock. <laughs> to drink whiskey with John Ham's five o'clock shadow, but uh. The cool thing about the town, which I'm just now realizing, is I knew that Ben Affleck wrote it, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be an awesome movie. I didn't know that he wrote it. He, he also dir- directed it. He directed it. It's mm-hmm. a second directorial effort. Is it? What did right? he do? He did the other one that was the uh, – Hollywoodland one? No, 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 no. It was uh, It was also set in Boston. It was by the guy, Dennis Lehane who wrote uh, Shutter Island. Uh-huh. Wrote this one. Uh, he wrote the – I'm de- blanking he, he directed on The it. Departed? Not The Departed. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, uh, God, what was the name of it? it? Had his brother Casey Affleck in it. I want to say. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the Man, name. I can't. Oh, uh, Gone Baby Gone. Okay, that was it. But uh, you know, that was the promise of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck when they won. That they were going to be. Yeah, right they were, when they won that they were Oscar. Be great creators mm-hmm. behind the scene, behind the camera, not just not just actors. And then they both went off and made, you know, Armageddon, Armageddon. and the Bourne Identity Daredevil. and all that stuff. Daredevil. Daredevil. Wow. Yikes. And it seemed like Matt Damon kind of like took off for a while. There it was like kind of. Yeah. Outpacing Ben Affleck. Ben At first, it seemed like Ben Affleck was doing it because he was the star of all those blockbuster movies. And then he made a couple missteps. And then suddenly Matt Damon was making Artie, like Mr. Talented Mr. Ripley and stuff like that. And then, That's right. then he was suddenly the guy who was doing everything, like the Oceans 18 or whatever. <laughs> How many of those Oceans movies have they There's made? Three now? of them now. There's 11 through 13. Whatever <laughs> they, should, they should have named those differently because it feels like there have been 13. <laughs> Having the 13, maybe, maybe it's just because they got extremely tiresome after the first one. What was the one – which was the one where Julia Roberts played the woman who looks like, like Julia, Julia Roberts? Roberts? What was that? I don't know. That was 12. Pretty sure. I felt like they were improving that plot point literally on the screen. Like I felt like the actors were there making shit up in the movie theater. They just <laughs> – <laughs> Like you got a command performance. Right. It just felt like <laughs> you were going to pull back the curtain and somebody they were really going to be back. They going, procrastinated. We got you, Bernie. Yeah, they procrastinated <laughs> so much they had to do the screening live. Like that's how far behind they were. But uh, yeah, but you know, I always heard the comment I heard about Ben and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon was that if Hollywood can't make these guys good parts, they can always make their own. They can I think Roger Ebert said that. Yeah, right? is that what he said? He yeah. can, they can always write themselves excellent parts. So it's kind of cool to see that. It is I cool. Mean, I think anybody would do the same, though. If you had a chance to be, like, the lead in a Bruce Willis movie, you know, or in Armageddon or something like that, you probably would do that. You can't pass up that experience. Probably so. You know. Michael Bay, enormous comet. It's going to smash into the earth. What's so, uh, like? so go see the town. I'm going to go see I haven't seen it, but it's just on the promise that yeah. it's going to be good. I want to go to hear the Boston, that Boston accent for two hours. I love that Boston accent. Oh, yeah? And when uh, – this is a weird story I haven't told. When we were at um, at uh, PAX, I was sitting next to this this nice couple from Boston, and uh, I was in a, like, oh, a, in yeah, a restaurant. This. Like they had a window, like it, it had some seats. That, like a, a wait, wait, you know what? Let me start the story because okay. it starts with okay. me. Like uh, Brandon and I were sharing a room at PAX, right? And this was what Sunday, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, we were, we're, we're this, getting ready to go. This day, this day we're getting ready to go, and. Um, Brandon decides to wander off somewhere. I think he was being sentimental about Seattle or something. And uh, I just, I'm just just decided, all right, I'm going to go get some breakfast or something, maybe some coffee. And I'm, I'm, I had kind of just meandering towards the direction of the convention center. I run into Jeff and Luke. We're walking back. And they're like, oh, we, should, we forgot shit for the booth. So I decided to go help them. And then we went back to the hotel because they apparently forgot, what, the tripods and, like, the boxes for the TV and, like, all that other shit they had that apparently – how can you forget something that big? But anyways, that they needed to bring back to the booth, right? And then we – so we go back to the hotel room also, and then Jeff also happened to forget his uh, his badge to get into the convention. So he, thankfully he was able to take mine. And we, gra- we grab all this shit and gather in the hotel in, room. In, in their defense, they were still drunk from the night before. <laughs> Probably. Saturday is how they forgot it. Yeah, that's right? right. So, like, we gather all the shit, like – 
tripods and boxes and shit to take back to the to the convention, and we hail a cab. And now, by, at this point, Gus had also met up with us because we'd have forgotten other stuff that we needed to actually start the day with. And so it's me, uh, Jeff, Luke, and Gus hailing a cab with, like, two, two sets of tripods two, and giant boxes and stuff. And two, then Yeah, two giant TVs. And then... And, and then, so I, I, meanwhile, completely, you know, unknowing of what was going on with them, I had gone down to get breakfast, and there was this restaurant a block down, and it had, a, like, a bar that was next to a big pane glass uh, window looking out at the street. And I'm sitting next to this nice couple from Boston. And I was kind of chit-chatting with them. They were visiting Seattle for the ver- first time, and they were very confused by all the video game stuff going on. They didn't know why there was there were all these uh, you know cosplay outfits and everything. You tell them it's always like that. I said, I said, this is the way Seattle lives. So I, you didn't you hear about that from your tour guide? But they, uh, <laughs> there's always a guy in a Duke Nukem outfit, you know, <laughs> walking around with a, a giant you know 80 cal machine gun. But they, uh, we're we're looking out the window, and um, I am eating my food and. And look at my phone or something, and I hear the two of them going, oh, wow, look at these idiots. Can you believe these guys? How stupid are they? What are they doing? They're never going to fit that in there. Oh, that's hilarious. Now look at them. They're running around. And I look up, and the idiots they're referring to <laughs> are Luke, Jeff, Gus, and Monty, all trying to figure out how to get these gigantic TVs in this cab that is clearly not going to fit it. And they were running around like Keystone Cops trying to figure out a, a way to you know, squeeze more square footage out of this cab than it actually had. And the, the couple from Boston was, thought that was freaking hilarious. Mm. They were laughing their asses off. And, and, and those so guys I, are actually al- always like that, and that is I, true. I said, I said those idiots are my friends. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so, Matt, did you ever think about going down to help them at any point? No, <laughs> I was having too much <laughs> fun like, watching them. Sounds like a scene out of like Pulp Fiction or something, where like two thing, two storylines converge at one point. It was, yeah, pretty much. I wish, I only wish I had taken video of it, but I was laughing too hard. I wish I had been more, co- more coherent during the panel because, like. Yeah, I always get that one question. What is it, that question, Bertie? Is uh, what programs do you use? What programs do you use, Monty, to make your uh, God, CG scenes, your CGI like, scenes? That is like every other goddamn email I get and message and comment. It's like, what program do Mr. you use? Mr. Jaded over here. He's so angry. I wish I had, like, at the panel. I, the thing is, we had, me and Brandon had not slept the night before we, like, flew in and stuff. I wish I had. <laughs> at that, let's hear that story. <laughs> at the panel, I wish I had turned to Bernie and been like, hey, Bernie, what do you use to write your scripts? Word? All right, so if I download Word, can I write scripts like you? That would have been a perfect point. But. I'm kind of glad you didn't say that, though. That might not come across that great to a, you know, a kid coming up and asking the question. You've probably gone home crying. They do have a Clippy now that instructs <laughs> you on how to write Red versus Blue scripts, I think. Don't What's they? a Clippy? Remember Clippy from Microsoft Word? Little the little office assistant? Oh, is that the paperclip? Yeah. Is that what it's called? What would you like to do not today, dirtbag? You know, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> I like the fact that you being a lifetime Mac guy. That you have a name for that? I don't think anyone had a name for that. Is that what it's if called? If Gus were here, he would probably tell you that Excel was originally introduced on the Mac. I remember that. What I does don't. that mean? I don't know. You know, I actually, you, you know, despite. I just ran, ran um, play more. Mac <laughs> versus PC, go. Despite me being a, a, a PC user currently, I actually used to be a very heavy Mac user. Really? Yeah. And you converted back? Uh, no. You I'm, just, I'm still on. PC right now. I converted to PC. Converted to PC from Mac? From Mac, that's right. What drove you? Uh, I guess the argument would be uh, I choose freedom over stability. Like, I think every argument for Mac, like, on why you should use a Mac is based on how stable it is and how it makes your life easier. The way I use PCs, it's just stuff that makes sense that isn't there on a Mac. Like, how come on a Mac, when I want to resize a window, I can only drag the bottom right corner? Or, like, the fact that when... I remember older OSs, I think OS 7, if you had the numlock off and you hit the decimal key on the number pad, you could drop down the menu bar and access those through keystrokes. But that doesn't happen anymore. Well, if you, if you grabbed from another corner, you'd be holding it wrong. <laughs> but, like, so stuff on the, on the... Like, if I wanted to access brightness and contrast on Photoshop on a Mac, you have to gr- hit the mouse and drag it from the menu bar. Where, for me, brightness and contrast on a PC is Alt-I-A-C. alt uh, highlights the image in the menu option, drops it down. Uh, a is adjust, and C is contrast. Stuff like that, or Gaussian blur. Alt T B right down G. You know, stuff like that. So you've learned to use a computer in one way, and that's the way that no, the no, I use, rest of time. It has a general rule that there's a way to get to every menu option via a letter or a keyboard stroke. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have that on a Mac. You don't have that on a Mac. You and have to use the mouse. If if you unplugged your mouse from your Mac, you would lose like. 50, 60% of your interface. 
And Monty, Monty gets his efficiency down, like tearing the covers off of keyboards and things <laughs> like that. I've seen Monty, like, calculate the way he's going to run down the stairs to do it faster and figure <laughs> out the fastest way to get down the stairs. I've got a Monty efficiency story from Jeff I heard last night. Let's hear it. Griffin has a Monty efficiency story here. Um, one time, Jeff was going into the kitchen, and Monty was going to microwave something, and he said, see, it says on the package, I need to microwave this for a minute, but if I microwave it for 59 seconds, I only have no, to No, 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 buttons. it's not 59. So- <laughs> it's 55, because you hit the button, same button twice, or 56. That's a roll, <laughs> of, the, a roll of the number. So you'd rather put it with cold food than... What's well, four seconds? It's five oh. seconds. <laughs> no, it's five-second difference or four-second difference from a minute. If you want to microwave something for a minute, what do you type? One, zero, zero? Yeah. Or you can type five, five, six, 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 five, or five, six, and that's two digits with a finger roll or a double tap. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just am happy that our microwave still has a door at this point. He hasn't ripped it off because he, he doesn't want to push the button to open the door. Oh, okay. Well, how, how would you rate this podcast in terms of efficiency today then? Uh, I don't know. A little slow in the middle, kind of fast at the end. Could use more coffee. How about the ending now? We are going to stop now. There. <laughs>